Seat yourselves, men and women of planet Earth. Come as you are, from work, from taverns, from study, science hall, and all that exists. Come all who are weary of their status quo, bored, hungry, unsatisfied. Join us today at Conscious Speaks. Hello, everybody. This is Kelly J., your host at Conscious Speaks, and today we have an amazing show planned for you. It's a spirit-led connection all the way from New Jersey. Author and wisdom teacher Michael Cupo, uh, his book is available on Amazon. It's called It's Monday Only in Your Mind. You are not your thoughts. And uh, we connected through spirit. Um, You can't make it up. And he's here today. Uh, Michael, uh, his attention, I asked him what his intention for his audio healing podcast would be on this worldwide self-love community. And his intention is to share what has been revealed to him. He's a conduit and an authentic leak to spirit. I was thankful for this the moment we said hi. I was I was um, confirmed. You, you'll know when you when you meet him today. Let's give a warm, conscious welcome to Michael Cupo. Michael, welcome to Conscious Speaks. Uh, thank you, Kelly. It's a pleasure to be here and to be a part of your show. Oh my goodness, it's a pleasure to have you here today too. I, I we're a spirit-led show, and you know I always have kind of an outline. But on the way to the studio, I got to practice some of the skills that you. Uh, that you teach or you guide or you share with in your um, spiritual awakening journey, the ones in your book. And uh, so I'll look forward to to chiming in on those with you a little bit later. They're actually parts that I <laughs> parts that I wanted to talk about. <laughs> you know, um, you had a spiritual awakening and the spiritual awakening eventually re- um, led you to writing this amazing book. It's it's Monday only in your mind. You are not your thoughts. And I uh, was thinking about how to introduce you to the show. And I thought, well, let's just dive in because you talk about mind patterns and triggers in the book. And that's how our journeys begin. And so I was going to ask you, when did you start to notice yours? Um, About 12 years ago is when I had my awakening. Prior to that, for 49 years, I just did things unconsciously and had no really no idea what I was doing. I was just existing at the time, even though some of the things that I was doing were were good because I was an addict. I was 18 years clean and I did get my life back together on the outer level. But it was 12 years ago that I relapsed on pain medication and that forced me to look at myself and say, what am I missing? And when I asked that question, for me, it was enough to at least stop the mind at at that point and allow whatever it was to come in, like you call it spirit, love, uh, wisdom, whatever it was. But that's what happened uh, to me, and and for the first time in my life, I um, I had a choice. Like we were just speaking now, for the first time in my life, I saw that I had a choice and like I caused all my own problems. That was my awakening, that it was nothing outside of me. It was I caused all my own problems. Right, right. That was an amazing discovery, really. It really is. I got spiritual chills when you said, you know, I finally asked, you know, when I asked the question. And I think that 
we don't know that we can ask ourselves questions like that sometimes. Would you um, would you agree, or is there more that you would add to that? Well, I mean, you, I don't like push books or anything because people have to look inward. That's what the whole process is of, of awakening. It's looking inward at at what it, what are your blocks, what are your triggers, but you have to at least in the beginning, you have to get to a point where you're not content with the way life is. If you don't do that, you'll never ask the question. If you're content with the way things are, you'll never ask yourself that. Right. And people, some people are content, and even though their life's a mess, they're still... Because that's the conditioning. Because the conditioning keeps you in bondage to it. And it's very difficult to break free. I'm, I'm blessed, and I realize that, because not everybody wakes up. Not everybody really asks themselves that question. Yeah, yes, that is so true. And when you say, you know, bondage, I'd like you to, you talk about that in, the, in your book quite a lot, and I, I was wondering if you could elaborate what that means for people out there that listen. They might hear a conditioned mind, or they're going to hear, um, you know, mind patterns and triggers, and they hear bondage, and that seems so overwhelming. Um, you explain it really well in the book, and um, as as energy and as conditioning through our childhood and patterns that we have. So I was wondering if you could tell a story, or maybe give something to anyone out there listening that might help them soften their mind so they can ask the question. Well, like for instance, for me, I grew up and I couldn't wait to reach for alcohol. So that became my prison, but it was my own mind that told me to do that, and that created my prison. It entraps you to it, that you think that that's the answer. See, the whole process of of bondage is when you reach outside yourself, you become a prisoner to the thing you're reaching for. If that's the next thing that you think you need is going to be your provide you the satisfaction, the, you know, the sense of well-being, that, and whatever it is you're running from or you're, you're maybe not even running, maybe it's just the way that it happened, whatever it is that you're using, that becomes your master. You know, it, it, that's the bondage. It becomes your master because it controls you. You think you have a choice, but you have no choice. Uh, you hit it right there. It just went through me. When we uh, think we're choosing things because they're a choice, but truly it's bondage. It's it, We're serving something. I was listening to a, a, a televangelist show one time. I stopped on it, and I remember him saying, you know, think about what you're doing. He's, I think, I'm sure he, he's obviously talking about marijuana because he goes, you're out there, and your master is a plant. You're serving a plant. Like, it controls you. And it was just such a such an interesting way that he— broke down the fact that when we need something, we really are serving it, I think. And it could be anything, like you said. Oh, it, the list is endless. And, and that's, see, a society wants to address the major um, addictions, per se, opiates, uh, you know, alcohol, things like that. You know, but, but alcohol is legal, and they never say anything to the people who go out and drink. See, my whole thing is, is is I haven't drank in over 30 years. 
and I don't have a need to alter the way that I feel. Right. And know, that's so powerful. Yeah, I just, I got chills. It's so powerful because we don't really know that that's why we're doing things, per se, I think. We're doing right. them because we're right. like, oh, everyone else is doing it. It's natural. This is the natural course of life. I grow up, you know. You know, there's kind of two paths you go in school. There's the kids who, you know, try smoking and all those things. I was one. I'll raise my hand. Um, and, you know, then end up doing, you know, participating, drinking, partying. And there's the ones who kind of don't. And so um, either path that you choose, you believe that that's, that's sort of, you know, just natural for you because you obviously chose it. But there's reasons why we choose those things. Right, right. It's, it's, you know, some of it's in our DNA. Some of it's. You're conditioned from the time you're a child. Yeah, yeah, right. One of my main things that I like to say is you're given a pacifier when you're a baby, and all you do as you grow up is change the pacifier. <laughs> right, right. And we look for comfort through um, through things to self-soothe us. I know in my journey, my awakening journey, part of the process was to learn to self-soothe, and I think that's that's how you, you really get to that spiritual awakening because you're really starting to questioning, what am I turning to? What am I running from? What am I running to? And uh, how can I self-soothe me so I'm not reacting? Uh, it's just coming to me. But that you, you explain it eloquently in your book. Uh, anyone out there that's listening, um, I posted on Facebook and um, my social media websites a link to Michael Cupo's book, It's Only Monday, In Your Mind, You Are Not Your Thoughts. And um, it is... Literally a beautiful, beautiful book that walks you through a, a life's journey. He, he starts at, at a baby, literally the pacifier in your mouth starting of a journey, and shows you, with because of the analyzing that he's done, how he walked through and looked at each stage of his life to break free of it. And my question to you is, because you've had such a long journey with yourself that you've been participating in, was... Was it natural to go back that far to the beginning, or was that part of the 18 years that turned into the last 12? Well, it, what happened was is because, you see, like my first time that I got clean and sober, I was 28 years old, and I had nothing. So I built up a, a life. I got a job, got married, two kids. I had, uh, you know, I got, I got promotions. I was, I was you know, uh, well-to-do. A house, all that good stuff that society says, you know, completes you. And yet, I still wound up addicted to pain medication. And that's what made me ask, what am I missing? What am I missing? See, I went to the 12-step programs, and I learned a lot from them. But I I still, I, I, I didn't understand, like, how did this happen? You know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't like I was when I was a kid. I was, I, I had life. My life was, exa- if I could have 18 years earlier, if somebody would have said, your life's going to be like this in 18 years, I would have said, I'll take it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Totally. But here I am. Now I, I wind up addicted to pain medication. And that's what led me to ask, what am I missing? And, and I didn't really know what was, going to happen or but i went all the way back i started sitting I, I don't sit in any special positions i just sit and i started sitting and what happened was is i just started looking back at my life and reflecting and seeing all the different stages how how 
my my bondage was my attachment to I, not the substances that I thought I was attached to, that yeah. I was addicted to. Yes, yes. That that was the key, you know. Seeing that, that no matter what, you know, because you know society during during my schooling, society exalts the sports kids and the kids that are smart. But I was just an average kid who really didn't fit in in that. I I needed more of a, and I didn't realize this at the time. I realized it, you know, later on. But I needed more of a one-on-one uh, teaching. But in a group setting, you know, the teachers are, have a curriculum and everything. You get lost. Right. And you act out in ways, you know, I became the class clown. But what makes a person internalize that is I, the conditioning. The conditioned mind, you know, the as I say it in my book, the I self. Yes. And, you know, it, it made me never feel good about myself because I always, for whatever reason this happened, I don't blame anybody, but it's just the way that I was conditioned uh, from, I don't know, maybe birth, who knows. But it made me always want to be someone else, always want to be this, always want to be that. Never happy with who Michael was. And nobody ever taught me that I should have been. Yes, yes. It makes me think of, um, you know, self-love is such a huge part of a spiritual awakening. And we all are kind of grouped in. Um, We've had several conversations to connect and and to kind of, you know, get ready for the show and when we talk about school and we talk about growing up, you you naturally, oh, you're the smart one, you're the pretty one, you're the funny one, you're the athletic one, um, you know, you're you're the fun, uh, funny jokester. And so we take on personalities, and the truth is they start to mold us, and um, we don't know that that's identity shifting that we're already taking on. So, And the I attaches to that, your I self that you'll talk about and we'll bring up in a little bit further uh, detail because that's attached to the true self which is part of your transformation journey. Um, those, those identities in school, when you, you talk about it so eloquently in your book, and it made so much sense to me to watch you as a child going through each, you, you know, you're talking about elementary school, you're talking about junior high school, you're talking about high school, and, and how you were able to look back and actually look with your real-time adult self and, and see you as a child doing these things to analyze it and pull out your eye self. That is crucial to a spiritual awakening, don't you agree? Yeah, because without that, what what do you what do you have? It's it's for me the the core of my awakening had to be something tangible. Yeah, and I was able to see that. And that's where I came up with the second part of my uh, title, You Are Not Your Thoughts. Right. So because, beautiful. Yeah, because I saw how what I was doing as that child wasn't real. It was my thoughts that made me believe that. Yeah. Oh, I get chills. It's so incredible, yeah. the spiritual awakening that you've had. And to witness it the way you wrote it in your book, I, I'm just thankful that you wrote it and that it's out in the world. You know, you have a quote in there. You said, when you act from self-centeredness, you suffer. And that's the root cause of the symptoms, right? So they always say there's a symptom to a cause. 
And um, but when we find out what that cause is, um, you know, like you said, going back to and being able to analyze our life and look at it without judgment and go, look what I did. Oh, that doesn't feel good now. But I know you mentioned it a lot in your book. You say you have to. Um, I always say, you know, forgive yourself for what you didn't know before you know it. But you have to look at it and go, OK, that's what I did. But now I can use it as a tool. Right. Right. You can use it as a stepping stone to go beyond it. And it wasn't there to beat me. I, I never I never said to myself, uh, like, I never regretted any of it because, you know, when, when I had the awakening. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I never regretted it because I saw that it was the transformation tool that I needed. Oh, exactly. Right. And it's interesting because it is it as the world is created now, the way that it exists now, it is that suffering that brings us through into the light. That's the tool we use now because that's the world we create from. But as we've talked about before, um, you know, it's our job as elders to learn how to create this different space and going forward in time. We can create we can learn how to love and, and be who we are earlier, you know, in school with parents waking up and learning how to answer questions and be elders. You know, it reminds me, uh, you had two great instances in your book that stuck out to me. Uh, you know, I think a transformation journey, especially one where we've um, used alcohol or drugs or partied or anything like that and have caused harm not only to ourselves, but to others and our families um, who, who stick by us. Um, is that we, we love them and, and we don't know that we're, you really aren't aware that a lot of it's going on until you do. And it sounds silly, but it's true. But right, right. When, when you were able to see your, you said the first time that you saw anything but you was when you were thinking of your family, your children, and who was going to be there to help guide them. Right, right. That was, there was so much power in that. I, I was, I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was passing the wedding. And and I, I often say this, I might have even said it in the book, I don't remember, but that that was probably the first unself-centered thought I truly ever had. Yeah, you did say that. You did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was amazing. You know, it was just the way I was I was wired. I was wrapped up in myself all the time. Yeah. And it was always about me, 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 you know, trying to satisfy the I, the I, the I. And not understanding any of it, yeah. but but when I, I see, I was looking for a way to get off the medication after that. That's what that, I knew I had to get off the medication, but when I passed that wedding, that was like the turning point. How am I going to be there for them? Yeah. And that really started the process of looking at, at detoxes and seeing what I had to do to get off this medication because... It was a two-year period that I was on this pain medication, and I did try to get off it, but I just couldn't do it. Yeah, you mentioned it was very powerful, and it was a different animal is what I kind of got from the book. Like, it was surprised you even, because you're like, why can't I just quit? Yeah, it's not like alcohol. <laughs> it's a totally different um, addiction. I mean, it really it gets into your fibers, you know. It gets into your core of your nerves and all that, you know. It's interesting. And, um, you know, it, it really, it, it's just a different, like alcohol is out of your system in, in 72 hours. Right. But but pain meds, it stays in, it stores in your fatty tissue. That's how people OD. Uh, they, they, it stores in their fatty tissue. So, you know, what they, 
they just they're compounding. You go, you know, on top of what you did yesterday and the day before and the day before, and then and before you know it, you, your body says that's enough. Wow. You know, I, I really thank you for sharing that because I've never um, heard it explained that way because, you know, like you said, alcohol goes into our bloodstream. It's, you know, processed out in 72 hours. But, you know, I, I don't know why. Just sometimes things don't click. But that would make sense that if you're taking pain medication, it is said to be something that releases over time. And it does go into your muscles and your nerves because that's what it's working on. And, right. and that's a whole different level of, of detox, a whole different level of control and bondage. Uh, that is interesting. Thank you for um, giving me that new way to look at that with um, with addiction. Yeah, it, was, it, took a, it took a while to clear up. It, it really did. It took a few months. Yeah. I, I, I had to take a leave of work for a couple months just, just to focus on Putting space between, and that's how I say it, putting space between the last drug I had and being clean. You know, and, and you know, I did go back to to, to 12-step meetings yeah. for support. Right. But as I, as I um, cleared up more and more, I was, I was reading because I knew, see, because I went to 12-step meetings once before, I wasn't just going to blindly go back there again because obviously something was missed. So I started reading a lot of books. And I started reading all kinds of spiritual books, but like Tolle, um, you know, the Buddhist. I really got into the Buddhist teachings, Jesus teachings, books from some of the older um, uh, spiritual people, uh, you know, who came before us and, and left us messages and, and maps, as I call them, you know. Yeah. And uh, I was absorbing everything. And where my awakening uh, came in was was when I saw that regardless of who wrote what, it all pointed to the mind. <laughs> yeah, I liked that part. Yeah, that if I didn't learn how to... I don't know if it's game control, but if I didn't learn about my own conditioning, I wasn't going to make it. Right. It's true. And that's true for a lot of people. And I and I, I believe that every step that we take leads the way. And you're right. You said something I thought about when reading your book, and it was all the time that you spent in AA to begin with set you up to have a strong foundation to attack the second round in your life when that came back accidentally out of the blue um, the, um, with the pain medicine. And you, you dove into that. You, you took it personally. I mean, you were ready to take it on. You reached out for help. I mean, you, you, you asked your wife, you know, for help. Um, you, you, you were able to you know, catch, she caught you really kind of in the middle of that transition and you were worried about the marriage. You were worried about everything. It was the first time you finally came, you know, clean. And, and the first time that you ever really cried, you said, was when you opened up to your friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually, it was, it was my, my brother and well, my sister was across the street. And I actually grabbed him because, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if I was going to want to kill myself, I didn't have any thoughts like that, but I didn't know. Yeah. 
So I just wanted to be with somebody, and my wife didn't want to. <laughs> she didn't want to be with me. <laughs> I didn't know, but I knew I didn't know if she was going to stay with me. Yeah. But I knew that it didn't matter. I had to get clean. That's powerful. And I really, I think, like I cried for like five hours, six hours, whatever it was. And it just like, I think it was all those years, all those years, all that pent-up emotion, all you know, all that trying to be the class clown as a kid and and you know, just living a lie, basically. Living a lie. Right. Never understanding who I was. or And I, all of that was kind of like stripped away. Yeah, it was. It, 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 in that moment, I felt it. I, um, we're going to head to a short break here pretty soon. But everybody who is out there listening, uh, this book... It's Monday only in your mind. You are not your thoughts. Is a powerful transformation journey documented from the heart. It will keep you enthralled. You will not want to put it down. You will feel the authenticity of Michael's journey. He's very open and, and he talks about things in a way that if you've never been able to talk to anyone, you'll be able to have this conversation with him in spirit when you, when you, when you read his book. So I encourage anyone out there, if you're listening um, to buy the book or to share the book. Um, we're going to uh, take a quick break here, but when we come back, we're going to talk to Michael some more, his theory on I self and true self. And um, we're going to talk about his awakenings. And uh, then we're going to roll into his, uh, his version of uh, the 12 steps. It's really cool. Michael Kupo thought he had everything he'd always wanted. A beautiful wife, two wonderful children, and a lovely home and a great job. By all outward appearances, he had it made. But ever since he was a child, Michael suffered with the feeling of not being good enough. And as an adult, he found himself addicted to drugs, gambling, and alcohol, harming himself and those he loved. Michael's inspirational book, It's Monday, only in your mind tells the story of his own inner journey to healing including roadblocks relapsing and ultimately acceptance grace and personal peace equal parts memoir and easy to follow guide for personal growth it's monday only in your mind offers a startling fresh interpretation of the 12 steps used by many programs it's a valuable toolkit for anyone interested in enhancing their spiritual life repairing their relationships finding calm and obtaining an inner sense of well-being. Learn more at mondayinyourmind.com. An alternative to everything else on your radio dial. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Conscious Speaks Radio. We are Alternative Talk Radio, 1150 AM, KKNW. This is Conscious Speaks. We're live every Thursday with Kelly J. That's me. And if you're just tuning in, our special guest today is Michael Kupo, author and wisdom teacher from New Jersey. He uh, has uh, had an amazing spiritual awakening. 
and he has written a beautiful book to share with the world. His intention for the show today was to share what's been revealed to him. You will know this um, by hearing the show today, and when you pick up the book and read it, you will feel the power of it. And it's through the power of two that we connect. So I believe if you pick up that book and if you're looking for some answers through Michael, his book, and you, you'll find some. Welcome back to the show, Michael. Thank you, Kelly. It's uh, a pleasure, believe me. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm so happy you're here. You know, I um, I was reading part of the book that stuck out to me, and you said, uh, where is it? I wrote it down. Oh, okay, welcome back. Uh, where? That's a, we, the mind patterns, I wanted to go back to that. I'm not pushing anything away or pulling anything in. Can you talk a little bit more about that to people? I know for a fact how important that is, but I want um, you to be able to share it in your, wor- in your way because it has to do with our conditioned mind. Yeah, mo- most definitely. See, what I really discovered was everything was energy. A thought is energy. So a thought comes in. To your head, you don't make it come in. I don't, you know, I, I don't look at it as as it has anything to do with me. It's just there. So the the next step is whether you suffer or you're able to allow that thought to pass through. And that's when when you don't push anything away and you don't pull anything in. There's no attachment, and all you are are at peace. When you attach to that thought, you have just given it life. You have just given it energy. And now the mind pattern begins to to form. And as you do this over and over, the mind patterns get deeper and deeper embedded in your subconscious. And that's where the triggers come in. When somebody says something, and this is one of the reasons why it's so difficult to deal with family, because there's a lot of history there. Yes. It, it's very easy to discount something that you really don't have no history with or anything because it it, it doesn't have any power over you. Right. But the more that you, you attach to these patterns, the the more power you give them. Now, unconsciously, you don't even know this is happening. Right. It's innate. It's just um, it's on it's on autopilot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when when you learn how to just be with the moment as it arises and don't push anything away, don't pull anything in, it, it, there's your freedom. There's no bondage there. There's no, nothing is your master in that, that moment because there's no attachment. There's no energy. And, and all you're left with is pure love. Right. You talk about that. You said um, once you're able to do that, you can tap into universal love. Would you like to share with us uh, how that works for you? What what happened? Here, here I am. Um, I, I have I want to find peace. That was all my <laughs> that's all I wanted 12 years ago. What am I missing? I want to find I need I got to find peace. There, there has to be something. So I'm, I'm searching. I'm searching. I'm sitting. I'm starting to sit. And. As I'm doing that, I'm changing. I'm not reacting to things as as I once did. And and as I'm doing that, compassion's arising, love's arising. I'm starting to see things in a whole different light. What and that's universal love. I'm starting to expand. 
on 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 my own. I, you know, that's universal love. That's our our gift from the universe. That's our true nature. And here I am. I never. I barely graduated high school, and that's I. Wrote, I started writing, and it, it was amazing because I wasn't a writer. But where the universe uses us, the universe uses us when we get to a point where we're quiet enough, and this is part of what the Bible says: be in the world, but not of it. Yes. When we're quiet enough to acknowledge our existence and know that we exist in this human form, but not attached to it. Beautiful. Not have to be this, not have to, you know, basically not um, judge yourself by the material world. Very difficult place to get to. Yes, but I, that's what I love about it is it's a place we can all get to if we so yes. choose, right? And that's why your book is so amazing. You know, what you just spoke about reminds me of how you define these places through the I self, which is the conditioned mind, and the true self, which is that peace of mind that we find. And um, if you could elaborate on that a little bit, um, I think everybody, we, have, we, we, we can agree that words create our world. And so it's really important, and it's a real big part of Conscious Speaks, is to have other people, other people who've been through awakening journeys, come share their story through their words so they can hopefully, you know, attach to others and then have this same revealing process happen to them. Right. Right. No, I, I, well, here's, a, here's a plug for me. Okay. Uh, I've written over, over 2,000 articles on, on my awakening. I mean, in, in WordPress, it's, it's 1,870-something. That's over five years. <laughs> That's a streak every day, you know. But that, the whole thing is, is, is just to point people inward so they can see if what you're doing is truly beneficial for you. And when it becomes the selfishness, I, I look at it as either you're going to be of love or you're going to be of self-centeredness. Right. And the self-centeredness is the I-self. For 49 years, I did nothing but try to satisfy myself. And I don't, I don't really call it ego because the I is pretty definitive in what it is. So either you're going to be, and it's not to save the world. It's not to, to run yourself ragged trying to become something else. It's just finding that place of peace so the universe can use you and you can be the instrument. Beautiful. When you're, well, yeah, when you're wrapped up in I, you can't do that. That's, there's no That's way. the distraction. It just can't be done. Yeah, there's no way. And it reminds me of in your book when you were talking about your very first Christmas. Can you tell us that, our listeners out there? Because it really ties into what you just said. Oh, with... with um, Experiencing your yeah, first real Christmas. Yeah, because, because what... Yeah. Because, you know, see, I always, I always had to be busy. Like, we have, a, we have River Rock. Uh, and on our property, and and the, the joke was that I knew exactly how many rocks we had <laughs> because I always had to be busy. You know, I could never sit. And my first Christmas, I wasn't cleaning up. I wasn't distracted by having to be busy. I was able to just be present for the whole night, and it it really was. You know, I forgot about that. 
<laughs> tell you the truth, until you, until you mentioned it. And um, it was unbelievable because, see, this was all part of me learning, seeing, and be, and, and what was being revealed to me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, it wasn't me doing anything. It was me just sitting. And this is what was happening. My mind was settled. And and there were so many incidences that I saw the settling that, and I know that prior to that year, you know, the years before, I would always be cleaning up. I would always be busy, and you know, I didn't have the luxury of, of being able to drink, so that couldn't be one of my distractions. So cleaning up, and and you know, just doing things to to stay distracted, all because, Kelly, I didn't know how to just be. Right. I get it. I didn't know how. Yeah. We don't know, do we? No. And when we finally undo ourselves, we're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> now I'm right. starting, now I'm starting all over. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have to do anything. That's why I was, I was talking to um, – a friend of mine, and and I was talking to him about even if I could drink, I wouldn't drink. Yeah. And he said, "Why? Why not?" I said, "Because I don't have to alter the way that I feel." He says, "Well, neither do I." I said, "Yeah, but you're drinking." <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, we uh, talked about that. Remember, when you get to yeah. this point of spiritual awakening, you're at such inner peace inside that you provide everything you need. There's nothing from the outside that's going to satisfy you. The things that you participate with, whether it's a hot dog right? or ice cream or if you're a vegan, all those things are choices at that point. Nothing has right. to be had. Right, yeah. and you could do any of them. Yeah. But, but, and you won't but do the ones what? that hurt you because you don't need it. You know right. what made me think about when we got off the phone the other day, and it's been something I've always you know, kind of pondered, is that it's, it's one of those things where anything outside of us that we're going to put inside of us there's it's there's no way it's just a time limit that you know, what it's going to fill us up with it needs to be replenished so to learn how right. to have true control to be at peace in your mind is to learn how to not need any of those things to not need right. to put them inside of you to find that peace on the inside where you really sit and you know you had an amazing spiritual um, experience in the church when you were sitting in that um, room. And oh, yeah, yeah. I would love for you to share that, because what I think is important for anyone out there listening to this is that you don't we're not special to have this happen. We're just available to it. And the more we make ourselves available, the more we'll receive, because really, the, it, it, universal love wants us all to be able to access this. And so I would love for you to share, you know, this experience that you had. Yeah, well, right. That's exactly it. Is is the more that you're distracted by the outside world, the the less that universal love, spirit, whatever you want to call it, it, it can be a part of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of goes like what what the Bible said with Jesus. You know, told the tax collector, "Well, give up everything if you want to follow me." He said, "I'm not doing that." I know. <laughs> well, maybe I won't follow you, you know. Right. But then you stay in bondage to the world, yeah. you know. And what happened was, this was in February. It was a, a retreat. And um, it, it, it was, uh, so when when I uh, started my, my process, it was like September 27th, the end of September. So this was February of that year. 
and and I was sitting and I was was understanding things. I was expanding, and I went into this room and they had a meditative music on, and they had incense burning, and I just sat in a chair and I was just going to sit, and I was overcome with with a peace that I never experienced before in my life. And I just fell to my knees and, and started crying. And I knew I was going to be okay. I knew it. it. It was, I don't know how, but it was a knowing that I was okay. Not that I was going to be okay, that I was okay. Right. And... Um, I stayed there for however long, and then somebody came because in retreats they ring the bell when you go to the next place. And and I I got up and and I I was changed. I knew it. Mm. I, maybe that was my white light experience. Yeah. yeah. But it was amazing. Yeah. It's funny to talk about this because I forget about all. This. Yeah, because uh, you're you're growing forward, right? Yeah, but it was it was amazing. It was the first time in my life I I, I was I was done. I knew it. Uh, I, it, it was un, unbelievable. You're it was free. Un, and it was you attained that and, freedom. And, yeah, and it's and it's kind of like what what uh, to me it's what you said. It's even though you don't make this stuff happen, you do make yourself ready for it to occur. You know, nothing that has happened to me in the last 12 years is a miracle. It, it, it's, I'm sitting, I'm doing things. Uh, um, you know, I, I'm making myself available for the universe to use me. Right. Turning inward. You talked about it in the book. You said, you know, through the, you know, your first, you know, um, I forget how many more you, what was your first amount of years in AA? 18. First 18 years in AA and using the steps and it helped you, um, you know, make amends and heal outside things. But what you found through the second part of your transformation journey was you were looking inward and now you were finding out why those things occurred. Right, right, right. Yeah. I didn't consciously do that, but... It happened. But I, <laughs> yeah, but, that, but it, that's what I did, though. I looked inward. I mean, because like I said... Yeah, I was reading, 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 and everything I read pointed to my mind. And, yeah. and yeah. you know, that's inward. You have to look inward. That's where the reflection came in. That's where the sitting came in. It's when it. it was time to write my book, I had nothing written down. <laughs> I just wrote. I, from the heart. <laughs> yeah, because it was just there. It was like amazing. It was amazing. When you so talk I don't take lightly what happened to me. You know, it, it's pretty amazing. The whole process of what happened and and where i'm at today and and how i how i write and it just you know i'm the instrument and i keep making myself available yeah. and keep growing 
It's un- unreal. You know? A beautiful conduit for spirit. And anyone who's out there listening, Michael writes a blog a day. And as you've heard, he's at over 18,000 of them. So you have a plenty of information. 1800. Or 1,800. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah a little bit. Huh? <laughs> Wait, 1,800. Sorry. I just jinxed you. <laughs> and okay. his website is www.mondayinyourmind.com. And you can find his works there. You can find links to his book to find it on Amazon. You can read his story. We were just talking about turning in, and Michael said, you know, you have to look at the mind, and that's inward. And it came to me that in is the middle part of that, right? Um, mind, and then mind, right. it's in. And then so it, it really brought me back to Chapter 3, Awakenings. And you had this um, experience, um, the ro- the roller hockey experience. Do you remember that one? With the little when, the when, when you were subbing on your son's team, and you found yourself. This is a great. I want everyone to listen out there. This is an experience of watching yourself in real time, and this is a. This is how you make yourself available to growth slowly. We grow slow, and and this is what happens over time. I remember you were playing, and you said you had a conversation where you were yelling at the kid about you wanted him to change teams. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember the kid. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was great. I mean, that's that's how I was. That it, it was it, it was sad, really, because I wanted I wanted them to change teams and and for what for, for what I don't remember the actual um, it, it was the, the actual what the actual happening was pretty much like that, and you realized like you were what you were realizing it as it was happening, but as you got in the car driving home, you're just like. That doesn't make any sense. You're, and you were knowing to point out that's your conditioned mind. You were just starting to train yourself to, to be aware of that. And that's when you started Googling, um, you know, online peace and mind and yeah. trying to find places. And you found the website, um, uh, I think it's called the Divine Life Society. And, uh, and that's. Oh, that's the Hindu. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that was great. That was, that was great because that's what they deal with the mind. See, you know what? It gave me an awareness, you know, that the sitting gave me an awareness that I never had. Because what happens is, is when you sit, meditation, all it is is developing discipline. And what used to get me prior to 12 years ago was, was I would act like that, like that hockey game, but not understand it. And then I would justify it and point the finger at other people. But see, see the difference now was is I had the tools to look within. Yeah. So even though the conditioning is still there, it's still there today. Yeah. It doesn't control me that way, and I use it to let go of I, the I self, to identify the I self and to see the I self in action. Because it's not like I'm this. I'm a regular guy, and I'm a real person. It's not like I walk around in in. You know, in a mountain somewhere, or I have a regular job and a wife and kids and all that. So, so it's that's my gift. I think is that I, I'm just a regular person. So you don't have to be a monk or anything to do this. You can really do it in your everyday practice. And when when the eye self takes over today, the difference in me today is it doesn't last too long. Right, you can auto-correct quicker, and you have tools, and you have tools to bring yourself back to center. Right, and I never had them before. That's the beautiful part. Yeah, that's that's the difference. That's what sitting allows you. That's what discipline allows you. 
all, all I'm doing is allowing more awareness into my life by sitting and developing discipline. It doesn't stop the thoughts from coming, but it does stop me from attaching to them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Like, like traffic, you know, like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so where are you going with this? Yeah. Where are you going with this, Michael? You know, so then you, okay, let me hold on to the steering wheel. I hold on to the steering wheel because it becomes more of a mindfulness thing, an awareness thing. So when you hold on to the steering wheel, see, you can't have two thoughts. That's a scientific fact oh, yeah. at the same time. I'd say you can have three. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens is, is if when you use the body, this, is, this has been my breakthrough. You see, you can't, people use the breath. And what my asset is, is, is that I explain because I understand what I'm doing. Like I was saying before, I needed something tangible, something practical to hold on to. See, when I use the body, the body's always in the present moment. Yeah, agreed. So it automatically stops you from attaching to that thought. Okay, let me take a breath. You just you, you just stopped the mind pattern. Yes. You just stopped the yeah. mind pattern in form. It's true and because... whatever you use. Yeah. Whatever you use. You well, know, and you, you meditate, right? So you know, and you've probably read this, and I've read somewhere that if you're going to meditate, what you do first is you take three breaths to clear and get uh, prepare the body to let it know that something's changing. Right, right. And, and I mean, we could use this as a tie-in to my version of the 12 steps because that's what the 12 steps are really geared toward. Yes, please. I would love that. Yeah. They're really geared toward you freeing yourself from the past because if you don't, there's no way you're going to be able to sit. Or breathe that deeper breath. Right. Right. You're not going to understand it because all you're going to do is have the constant thought of what you have done in the past. So all the 12 steps are are designed to do is allow you to deal with the past. So now you can start sitting. Even step 10 talks about um, when you're wrong, admit it, because then you're, you're not because it's all energy. So if you have that energy, that past energy, if you have all that negative energy, or as I like to call it, the dog chasing its tail. Yeah. (laughs) One of my favorite lines is, I only made five mistakes in my whole life, but I made them over and over and over again. (laughs) Exactly, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's the dog chasing its tail syndrome. It's circular energy, and you just get caught in that. And you just go round and round and round. How many times do you think about what you did in the past? And you can't change it. If you could change it, fine. But that's where I got the title of the book. Right. Uh, how how many times do you, do you on Sunday worry about going to work on Monday? Right. And you ruin your whole Sunday because you have to work on Monday. And if you had to do this once, it's one thing. But you do this 52 times a year. Exactly. And so, not knowing you have right. a choice is what keeps you in that forward motion of circling, right. stagnating. It keeps that that circular energy going, you know, it keeps it going around. You don't get anywhere. You don't, that's why there's no growth. That's why people are still looking for the same pacifier. It just changes form. 
Right. And that's when I was, you know, reading the book and obviously anyone who's familiar with the 12 steps will understand this term. But cleaning house shows us um, how our behavior harms other others. Right. But the truth is we're harming ourselves first. Remember, we talked about do unto others before you do unto yourself. But first first you have to undo to yourself. (laughs) Think about what here I am, 13 years old, and I start reaching out. I did nothing but hurt myself. Thinking I was the clown, you know, and get just for attention. But I did nothing but hurt myself. And then I started using drugs and alcohol. Right. And women. So who was I hurting? Yeah. And I hurt the people who loved me the most. I but I was totally hurting myself. And the insanity is, is that the mind that tells you to do it is the same mind that presents itself. But it's your own mind that's doing it. Your own mind is telling you that, hey, this is this is good for you. This is what you need to do. It's your own mind. That's the insanity. Yeah, you read. You said in the book, um, if they if the devil's in the details, I'm I'm not sure, but it it's definitely your version is the, it's the mind. Our mind is the devil. It's that negative energy. It's that our our, our self centeredness. Yes, self centeredness. There's an evil. I think I said it like if there's an evil in the world, it's our self centeredness. I'm I'm going to testify. I just got chills because I had no idea how self-centered I had led my life until I did the work that I did. And I was mortified at times. I was uh, laughing at myself at other times. You have to laugh at some point because you didn't know. Oh, my God. You, did, you look at me like, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe that's how I, I made people have relationships with me because that's the only way I was available to them. It's unbelievable. You know, when you have an awakening, it's unbelievable. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, you, hands down. <laughs> yeah, you can't believe that you were like that. Yeah, yeah, it's so it, true. It, 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 and and you and the the thing is, is that it's it's beautiful to get in touch with that because uh, you see it all around you, but you're not judging others. No, you just know it. Yeah, and you and 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 it's a beautiful thing because I know that. The judgment, there's no judgment because I know I was conditioned for, for, you know, so many years a certain way. And that's what people are. They're conditioned to act in the ways that they act. It's unfortunate. And I don't really use right or wrong, but either the behavior is loving or unloving. Yeah, right. I I agree. There's not really a right or wrong thing about it, but it, it is definitely uh, you come from a place of love or you or you don't right it's it's so true and uh you know on that note you know i would just like to to express to people who are listening to this podcast later or who listening to the radio show now this book is a tool that walks the reader through a life examined and it's a life that's similar we've all can attach to something in the story and whether it's through ourselves or a family member or a loved one and it's so honestly shared. Um, I just want to thank you for all this transparency. Um, to share that with the world is a gift into itself. And if you were going to give anyone a lesson out there or an inspiration, I should say, to, to, to look at that I self, to really look and go, maybe I am conditioned and it's not the worst thing in the world. How would you get that person to take that chance to question and ask? One of the, one uh, one of the articles that I wrote is called Bodily Presence. And that uses the body and to show you, because what happens is once you start 
the mind starts to settle, it opens up, and the self-examination kind of like works on its own. Because once once you start staying more and more present, you you naturally because what you're doing is you're putting yourself in harmony with life. Yes. And life, the universe, whatever you want to call it, finds an opening. That's why in the Bible they talk about the eye of the needle or the 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 size of the mustard seed. That's all you need. That's all you need. Thank you so much, Michael Cooper, for joining us today at Conscious Speaks. Everybody out there, I know that you enjoyed and felt wonderful connections through his story. You can find him at www.mondayinyourmind.com. Thank you for joining us today at Conscious Speaks Radio, a place where we come together each week to discuss the mysteries of life, the light and the dark, the sweet and the salty, the divine mysteries of being human, a place where we mentally hold hands, naturally gravitating to each other through the cosmic airwaves of space and time. Knowing like bees to honey and goodness, this is a place to take comfort in the knowing that it is from and through each other that we grow in our greatest leaps and bounds.